podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Love this podcast? Support this show through the supporter feature from Acast. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. What's good, boys and girls? Welcome to the Two Footed Podcast. It is Tuesday, the 13th of July. We're brought to you by EPLindex.com and our presenting sponsor, Liberty Shield. Liberty Shield is, of course, a VPN provider. It's a virtual privacy network which allows you to go online, change your location, access things like American Netflix, access HBO Go, Peacock, Hulu, whatever you want to do. LibertyShield.com also keeps your data safe. If you're an expat living abroad, wanting to watch the Olympics in English coverage, not wanting to pay a fortune for it, get yourself a Liberty Shield VPN. You'll then have access to the BBC iPlayer. They've got 350 hours of coverage coming up. If you're an Irish expat living abroad, the All-Ireland Championships are underway. We're at the semi-final and final stages in the, the Gaelic and the Hurling. A Liberty Shield VPN will allow you to access the RTE player and you'll have full access to all the games. LibertyShield.com, use the code EPLVPN, you'll get 20% off at checkout. Also brought to you by Home of Hopcroft, a giftware and homeware company located in Scotland but shipping worldwide. Check out homeofhopcroft.co.uk. Right folks, not a whole bunch going on today. Not a whole bunch, it must be said, but the team of the Euros has been announced. And I think it's fairly strong. I think there's there's two players I'd strongly disagree with. So Donnarumma was picked as the goalkeeper. That was always going to happen. He was chosen as player of the tournament. Kyle Walker was picked at right back. I don't have a problem with that, to be honest. I think... In fairness to Walker, of the players that played at right back, he probably was the best through the tournament. Now, obviously, he played a couple of games as a centre-back, including the final, but he did mostly play as a right back, and he did have a good tournament. Benucci's a no-brainer. I don't agree with Harry Maguire. Now, not to say he didn't have a good tournament. He clearly did. But how you could put him in over Cialini, I have no idea. My assumption is they just didn't want it to be too Italian-heavy because they've got Spinazzola at left-back. Again, no complaint from me. Luke Shaw, a little bit unfortunate. He had a great tournament. Uh, Joachim Mal obviously had a very good tournament for the Danes as well. But Maguire is the only one in the back line that I disagree with. Moving into midfield, they went 4-3-3. Jorginho, no-brainer. They went with Pedri. Absolutely fine. I had him in mind. They went with Heusberg. And this is a difficult one for me because I, I really like the player. And I think against Russia against the Welsh and against the Czechs, he was good. But he was poor in their first two games. Now, we'll take the Finland game and throw it out because circumstances. And I think obviously you have to do the same with the Belgium Belgium game, but that's still two games that he was poor in. He didn't play particularly well against England. So 
I mean, six games, three good, three bad. I'm not sure how you can make a real argument for him to be in the team, other than you do want to recognise a team that did well and you want to put one of their players in. Up front, Chiesa, absolutely. Sterling, absolutely. For me, Sterling or Jorginho should have won player of the tournament. Um, And they went with Lukaku as their third attacker, and I have no problem with that. He did have a very good tournament, even with you know Eden Hazard not being fully fit, Kevin De Bruyne not being fully fit. He was able to take on the mantle and, and make Denmark or make Belgium produce good performances. They went out to Italy, the eventual winners. You can't really argue with that. Um, Maguire and Heusberg are the only ones I would disagree with. And again, they both had good tournaments. I just think Verratti was better than Heusberg. Verratti missed the first two games in terms of starting, but came on against the Swiss and was brilliant from then on. Like, brilliant against the Welsh, really good against Austria, really good against Belgium, really good against Spain, and I thought man of the match in the final. So I think Verratti would have been more deserving, and like I said, I don't know how you can't pick, how you don't pick Chiellini. So it was a, a panel of 16 technical observers made up of former players and former coaches, uh, including David Moyes, um, Robbie Keane, Fabio Capello. So at least there's one person, at least for sure, that we know understands what they're watching. But the big question for me is how many games did these people see? Did they see every game? I don't think Moyes would have seen every game because he's got a job. Um, Capello might have seen a lot of them, if not all of them. I mean, I don't know that I trust much of what Robbie Keane has to say on the game. Having seen him do punditry in the past, it wasn't pretty. Um, but Capello, for sure, you'd absolutely go with what he says. So I don't know who who he would have picked. It, does, it doesn't give you a breakdown of who they picked. Um, again, I think Moyes would be a good judge, but I just don't know how much he would have seen, considering he would have been getting ready for West Ham to go into pre-season. Um, West Ham are going to have a long season this year with Europa League. So a lot of work to be done there. There's also some stuff going on behind the scenes at West Ham where they're rejigging their structure. Moyes is involved in that and helping them find a director of football and helping rejig his coaching staff, identifying targets for for the summer and, and players to bring in for next year, looking at the youth players and seeing who might be ready to contribute for next season. So, like again, I just don't know how much El Moisey would have seen. Um, the Euros are done and dusted, though. Now, tomorrow, Ryan Baldi will join me, uh, author of the upcoming book, Dream Factory, which is an inside look at some of the top academies and the academy structure within English football, giving you a previously unseen, in-depth look at all of these things. Unseen is the wrong word, because obviously it's not video, it's a book, but you know what I mean. Um, nobody's ever had this sort of access, this side of it, sort of insight. If you've read Ryan's previous book, Next Big Thing, which is about players that were hyped to the moon as 16, 17, 18-year-olds and never quite got there, and what happened next for them, uh, you'll know how good Ryan is. The book comes out in August. The interview with him will be tomorrow. We talk about the Euros and the book and about England in general and their future. 
Um, I think it's it's one you'll really enjoy. So do check that out tomorrow. But uh, other than that, we're done with Euro coverage. It's all over. Nothing more to talk about. What I did want to do today is I wanted to have a quick look at the three clubs that are coming up. Because obviously we need to get familiar with these teams. They're going to be part of our Premier League next season. And two of them we know quite well. The first one, obviously, Norwich City, promoted as champions. Very, very impressive having gone down to come back up in the manner that they did. 46 games played, 29 wins, 10 draws, 7 defeats, 97 points. Six points clear at the top of the table. Really good in attack, 75 goals. I think the second highest in the league. 36 conceded, one of the best defences in the league as well. Norwich were excellent last season. A little bit of a slow start, only won one of the first four. But after that, they really got rolling and they had a great run of nine wins in a row that just sort of cemented them as the team that was coming up between February, mid-February, mid-March. Nine wins in a row really just put them in a position where they were coming back up. Um, the team looks at the moment to be quite similar to the team that they had previously. Max Ahrens is still there. Now, he may not be there come opening day. Grant Hanley at centre-back. Emi Buendia was a big part. We know he won't be there because he's gone to Aston Villa already. Timo Pukki played a big role. Tim Krul, still the goalkeeper. Todd Cantwell fell out with Daniel Farka at the start of the season because he'd been promised he could leave. The bid that he wanted them to accept was below what they wanted. And they refused it. They kept him. He had a bit of a tantrum, but he worked his way back in and played a fairly big role. I mean, 30 starts, six goals. Impressive. Impressive turnaround for him after the poor start. Uh, Kenny McLean in midfield, quality player, Scottish international. We know he what he can do. Ben Gibson was an interesting one for them because obviously he'd been at Burnley on the scrap heap, couldn't really get a game, was training by himself up at Middlesbrough. Uh, Norwich took him in and he, he played a big role, played 27 times, 26 of them starts. And he's on his best. He's a good defender. So there's a lot of familiar names here. There's some players that I'm not overly familiar with. Wouldn't know much about Javi Quintella, um, young player they had in. Now, I don't think they're going to have him next season. I think he was on loan from Villarreal and he's gone on loan somewhere else for next season. But a lot of the players are familiar. When we look at what they've done so far, um, Buendia is gone. Big money move to Villa. Moritz Leitner is gone. Alex Tete is gone. That's a, I mean, it's, it's not a huge deal in that he was no longer really a massively contributing player, but he'd been at Norwich quite a while. He was one of, you know, the long-term fixtures there. He'd been there since 2012. 244 league appearances for them, 262 in all competitions. He'd been a big part of the culture at the club. And Mario Vrancic has gone as well, but again, not a, not a huge factor in their promotion. So he goes to Stoke. They have made moves, though. Milot Rashike, they've brought in on a permanent deal. I think that's a very clever signing. They've gotten him on a bargain. Very, very talented attacker. Can play all across the front line. Can play as a 10. Not a like-for-like. Not a like-for-like replacement with 
Buendia. Different type of player. Would have been very good with Buendia, but will be a good fit and should should work well alongside Cantwell. I still think they need to find a more creative source to replace Buendia. But Rashika and Cantwell, either side of that creative source behind the striker, is something that could work. They made um, they, they brought in Angus Gunn, goalkeeper from Southampton. He'd been on loan there before. He was there on loan in 17-18 and had a really, really impressive season for them. Went to Southampton. It didn't work for him. He was in goal for that horrific 9-0 walloping by Leicester and lost all his confidence. They'd paid, Southampton had paid 13.5 million for him. They've taken a big wallop on this, I think. I think they've only gotten about 6 million for him. It's an undisclosed fee, but I read somewhere yesterday it was about 6 million. Um, he was on loan last season with Stoke, was in and out of the team, couldn't really uh, maintain a first-choice spot with Adam Davies and uh, Josef Bursic there. Good player, needs to rebuild his confidence. Hopefully, coming through under Cruel, he'll be able to develop and build. He's only 25. He's hugely talented. I mean, he played for England all the way up from 16s to 21s. He was first choice for the 21s. He's from Norwich. He was in their academy till he was 15. Man City stole him away. He knows the area. It's his club. I mean, you know, his dad is a Norwich legend as well. I mean, that's the thing. His dad is Brian Gunn, probably Norwich's best ever goalkeeper. Um, so it's nice for him to get to go home. And I hope he does well. I hope he does really, really well. Because I th- I think he can be a big part of England's future if he gets himself back on track. At 25, he's early. He's still early career for a goalkeeper. Their most recent signing, Pierre-Lise Malou, uh, midfielder from Nice. Versatile player, can play anywhere in midfield, defensive, central or attacking. Can play wide on either side as well. Scores and makes goals, but one about a goal or assist every three point seven games. So that's pretty decent. Um, hundred and fifty one league league on games, twenty three goals, eighteen assists. So he's a productive player. Will add some quality to that team. Maybe he's the one that steps in and replaces what Buendia was doing. It's not the most natural fit for him. Maybe they'll change shape. Maybe they go to more of a four three three and play him and Billy Gilmore who's their other big summer signing that they've brought in on loan from Chelsea. I'm a big fan of Gilmore. I think he'll do very, very well there. I think he's got the right manager in Daniel Farke. I think he's got the right environment at Norwich where they've developed a lot of good young players recently. The likes of Max Ahrens, Jamal Lewis, Ben Godfrey, quality players. Buendia went from, you know, an afterthought to a player that multiple Premier League teams were chasing this summer. Todd Cantwell's developed very well there. I think it's a good environment for Billy Gilmore. Um, I think a better, more positive environment than what he would have been at at Chelsea. But all things considered, I think Norwich so far spending more money than they did the last time. Now, admittedly, they're spending the Buendia cash and they may yet sell Aaron's, but they are at least been a bit more adventurous than the last time they came up. They're showing... More ambition, I think, than the last time they came up. Hopefully they can keep together most of the rest of the team. Still think there's a few holes. Probably still need to look to bring in another centre-back. 
Uh, a ball-winning midfielder probably wouldn't go amiss. And maybe that Buendia replacement. But look, it's still very early in the summer. We're halfway through July. Season doesn't start for over a month. So, yeah, I, I think all things considered, Norwich can be pleased with how things are going. They've got a good manager in Daniel Farke. He's done really good work there. Two promotions. Having taken over the club when they were wandering a little bit, a little bit aimless uh, when he got the job, I, I think they can be very, very happy with the man they have in charge. It was a great appointment at the time by Stuart Weber, who's one of the better technical directors in the league. And he, like I say, he's done really well there. Two promotions, you can't ask for much more. And he's won it both times as well. It's not like they've come up second or in the playoffs. They've gone and won the championship both times, which is a difficult uh, league to win. In second place was Watford. Again, a team that had been relegated after the 1920 season. They come straight back up. Strange season for them. They appointed Vladimir Ivic in the summer. I thought he was doing quite well. He had them in the playoffs. But they sacked him off, brought in uh, Cisco, former Valencia, Real Betis, Levante uh, winger. Quality player back in his day. Didn't really have much in the way of a managerial track record. He'd been uh, with Dino Tbilisi. He'd had 11 games there. He'd won eight of them. But it's Dino Tbilisi in the, the Georgian league. It's not as if he was managing at, at a top league. It's not as if he had a ton of experience. 11 games. But Watford took a gamble. And it paid off massively. They rose from, I think they were sixth when he took over, into second. And they played some really impressive football. And they used quite a big squad. Now, with Watford being Watford, there's always a lot of change in terms of players from season to season. Ben Foster and Daniel Bachman seem to split the goalkeeping duties. Both of them started 23 times across the season. Um... Backman's obviously first choice for the Austrian national team. He's not a, he's not a bad goalkeeper. He's, I don't think he's great, but he's not a bad goalkeeper. And Ben Foster, if he was 10 years younger, I think he'd be first choice for England. I, I think he he was, at his best, he was better than any of this current crop of English goalkeepers. Uh, holds the record for the most saves in Premier League history at 1,178. And hopefully he'll get to add to that this season. Uh, and he'll get to play some some games. Jeremy Ngakia, the right back that they'd signed from West Ham, he started slowly but worked his way into the team. Seems to have been a fairly important part. William Troost Ekong, a player I'm not overly familiar with, uh, played a big part in their season as well. He'd previously been at Udinese. He's one that's been in that that Pozo family system. Um, he's a centre-back from, from the Netherlands who plays for Niger- the Nigerian national team. He looks to be their main man in defence. They've still got, you know, Craig Cathcart is still there and um, Adam Messina is still there. Messina's a good player. We we know him from from years gone by. So they've got, you know, Ben Wil. I think Ben Wilmot has left, hasn't he? Yeah, Ben Wilmot signed for Stoke. A little bit surprising they've let him go. Good young defender, but obviously they didn't feel he was needed. Watford, of course, will be aggressive in the transfer market. Uh, Quadro Ba has come in from Rochdale. He was meant to go to Man City a few, if, maybe two years ago. Very, very highly rated player. 
Uh, Matty Pollock they've brought in from Grimsby. Very, very impressive young defender. Um, his dad is Jamie Pollock, the Middlesbrough midfielder. Good player. Loads of potential. I think he's only 19-20, but I remember thinking he was he would have been a good signing for Palace last year. I think I mentioned him for Palace last year. Emmanuel Dennis is an impressive signing. Brought in from Club Rouge. Very, very talented. Quick, mobile. Not a huge goal scorer. More of a second striker than an out-and-out nine. Um, but he is a good player. And if you're going to play a front three, playing him as one of the front three will be a, a good fit. Uh, they've brought in Ashley Fletcher on a free from Middlesbrough. Danny Rose in from Spurs to solve the left-back problem. Josh King in from Everton on a free. I think that's a good signing as well. Proven quality in the Premier League. Not Again, not a big goal scorer, but a good support player. Player that won't cause too many problems and you can use it in multiple ways. Um, yeah, it looks like they've been... They've been very aggressive again, which is good to see. Um, they've got a whole bunch of players, I think, coming back off loans. Um, the, the guys they've been stockpiling for a number of years, trying to get work permits for them. Looks like a lot of them are finally able to play now. Penaranda was one I think they were hoping to get a work permit for. They've just had to loan him out to Los Palmas because he couldn't get his work permit. Um, he's the Venezuelan striker. He's very, very talented. But again, he's not a big goal scorer. So, you know, they've been waiting a while for him to get his work permit. They bought him in 2016. The problem is he's gone on loan to Granada and Udinese, who are part of their system. Then Malaga, Yupin, and CSK Sofia. And he hasn't always fit well with the clubs he's been sent on loan to. I don't think they've done a particularly good job with him in terms of picking the loans for him. Um, you'd like to see them do a little bit better. But he is a very talented player. Um, Cugo Hernandez, I think he's gotten his, hasn't he? A guy told me that beforehand. The Colombian, very, very, very talented. If they get him in the team this year, him and Ismael Asar will cause teams a lot of problems. They've also got young Jay Pedro, who's a quality player. So I think Watford are going to be fun to watch this year. Now, last season, they had the best defensive record in the championship, only conceded 30 goals all season, which is incredible in the championship, considering the nature of the league. Um, scored 63, so not a huge output, but still still a good, potent attacking team. Uh, 91 points, only the nine defeats. I think all things considered, they'll be, they'll be fancying their chances of staying up. And as I said, they've been aggressive in the market. They're making their moves. They've let go... A lot of the old guard, a lot of them went last summer. The likes of Hilario Gomez, Halabaz, Mariapa, they were all let go last summer and they've sort of rebuilt things quickly. A um, couple of disappointing sales. I w- would have liked to see them keep Purvis Estupi and he went to Villarreal and, and didn't establish himself there. I really like Luis Suarez that they had. He went to Granada, but I think those were moves made to balance the books. Um, those two would have been interesting to see in the Watford team if they just kept hold of them. But Watford will be fun to have back. They're always a good club to have in the Premier League. Vicarage Road, like Carrow Road, two proper old-school grounds, two that I do like. Um, and I'm, I'm glad to see Watford back up. I'd, I'd like to see them have more of a plan. Like, the worry with, with Cisco is 
what happens if they start badly? How long will they actually give him? Because with Farka, you kind of feel like no matter what, he will see out the season unless he decides he wants to leave. With Cisco, you don't get that feeling. You don't get the feeling that not, that Watford will ever fully commit to a manager for even a full season, let alone a long-term project. Uh, whether that's because they're Italian-owned and the Italian sort of method is just to get rid of the manager as quickly as possible, I, I don't know. But they have chopped and changed managers heavily over the years. Uh, if we look at the list of Watford managers, it does make fairly staggering reading. And you consider, like, I'm not sure when those owners took over. I think, was it, was Rogers there? Let's see. When did these people, right? The Pozo family bought the club. No, they bought the club in 1213. Yeah, 1230. Now, to be fair, they'd been chopping and changing a bit before that. They'd had, 80 boots right for three years. Now, that was 2008. Then from there, you go Malky Mackay for five games, Brendan Rodgers for 27. Mackay comes back for 92 games, basically two seasons. Um, Sean Dyche is there for a year. Gianfranco Zola is there for 18 months. Giuseppe Sanino is there for eight months. Billy McKinley is and... Oscar Garcia are both caretakers. Neither of them stick around. Yukanovic comes in, wins promotion, and then leaves for reasons known only to himself. Uh, he was only there from October to June. Kike Sanchez Flores comes in, does pretty well, gets them to the semi-final of the FA Cup, keeps them in the Premier League. Um, but he's off. Walter Mazzari comes in. He gets a season, doesn't do very well at all. He's gone. Marco Silva starts really well, gets his head turned by Everton, and then it all falls apart. He's there six months. Javi Gracia manages to survive 20 months. Kike Sanchez-Flores comes back, doesn't do very well at all, gets sacked after 12 games. Nigel Pearson takes over, they get relegated. Uh, and then Ivic and, and Cisco last season. So... It's just been constant chop and change for them since 2008. So it's not just a Pozo family um, family issue. It's not just them that have done that to Norwich, or to, to Watford, rather. It is just what Watford have been for 13 years now. Before that, they weren't like that. Like I say, you had Booth right there for three years. Ray Lewington was there three years. Graham Taylor had done four years there. Glenn Roder was there for three years. Steve Perryman was three years. You had managers that were, like Graham Taylor was there 10 years from 77 to 87. You, you did have managers go there and build things and develop the club. Um, what a run Graham Taylor had. Took over a team in the fourth division, won the fourth division, Runners-up in the third division got them promoted. Runners-up in the second division got them promoted. And then in their very first season in the Premier League, in the what was the first division then, the equivalent of the Premier League, he finishes as a runner-up. Now, they also were runners-up in the FA Cup. Always the bridesmaids. Only the bride in the fourth division. But incredible to take a club from the bottom flight 
to second place in the top flight in six years. Like that's ridiculous. That you'd never have to see that happen now. Um, I I'm looking forward to having Watford back. I do I do like Watford. I think they're a good club, and I think they're a proper proper old style club as well. I love the stadium. Um, I've been to Vicarage Road a few times, and it's a really nice place to watch a game. Um, the third team then is a mystery to me. Brentford. I mean, I've watched them a bit. I, I love the way they go about their business, how the club works, the way they recruit. They're very much a model club in that regard. And I love what they've done with their new stadium and that. I think it looks incredible. But, you know, I don't know a lot of their players all that well. Be familiar with a couple, but looking at the players that played heavily for them last season, um, Ivan Tony, I know. I've seen him quite a bit for, with Peterborough and that. Um, David Ray, I saw more of the previous season than last season. And he never really impressed me all that much. Ethan Pinnock is a, is a highly regarded defender. Um, Brian and Buomo, again, more, far more the previous season than last season when I did pay a lot of attention to the championship. And I know Sam Maguire is very, very high on him. Uh, I like Jensen. I like uh, Dalsgaard, the, the two Danish boys. Both good players, both reliable players. Sergi Canos, former Liverpool player, so I know him. Um, talented but inconsistent. Now, he had a really good season last year, but the looks of things. Nine goals in the league in 33 starts, which is pretty impressive. Rico Henry, the left back, I do know, and Josh De Silva, I know. Pontus, Jan- Pontus Janssen, I- I- I'm a-, a little bit concerned about him in the Premier League. I don't think he's a Premier League caliber defender, if I'm honest. I think he's the type that can be really, really good in the Championship, but just will struggle in the Premier League. A bit like Liam Cooper, but slower. Um. They've got a lot of Danish players, and they've got Marcus Fors, who's a decent-looking player. Winston Reid, I assume he was there on loan. I don't think he's there permanently. Uh, I'm not a fan of him. I don't like him at all, in fact. But this is an interesting team. They're already busy enough in the transfer market bringing in younger players. It'll be interesting to see if they spend much money. I think... That's going to be the key for them. They're going to have to spend money to stay up. You can't stay up in this league if you don't spend money. Norwich found that out the, the last time they were up. You have to spend in the Premier League. We'll get to know more about them as the weeks go on. I'm going to watch some games from last season um, and figure out what they can bring to the league and where I think they'll end up. But um, I'm hopeful that they all have good seasons. I'd like to, I don't want anyone to just be... I don't want us to see a repeat of Sheffield United, basically. I don't want to see another team just have a horrific season where we know they're gone down after 10 games. You don't want that. It doesn't, doesn't, it doesn't bring anything to the league. You want, you want that drama coming to the end of this season where, you know, any of, any three or five or six teams could go down. That's what you want to see. We'll take a quick break. When we come back, we'll wrap through the latest transfer news and the gossip. Right, welcome back. So, uh, in terms of latest transfers, Ryan Aitnuri has completed his move to Wolves. Uh, they've gotten him for less than the originally agreed option to buy, so that is a clever signing. Josh King, like I mentioned, he signed for Watford over the weekend. Peter Atipo, uh brought in now on loan from Stoke by Watford. He's a good player. 
Uh, Dabo Mabude, I have to say, I don't know anything about. He's also joined Watford. He was unattached. A um, couple of interesting loans. Heat Chong has gone to Birmingham. Wasn't good for Werder Bremen, but hopefully, hopefully he can get himself back on track. Callum McManaman is back in England. He signed for Tranmere uh, after being with Melbourne victory. Stephen Ward has moved from Ipswich to Walsall. Yeah, that's about the height of that. Nuno Tavares has completed his deal. He's moved to Arsenal from Benfica. I think that's a good signing. Arsenal badly needed a backup left back, and uh, and he'll provide that for them. Um, and then over the weekend, we had not a whole bunch. Uh, Rodrigo de Paul obviously has been announced now to Atletico Madrid. Uh, tw- 29.9 or 30 million pounds, so about 35 million euro. Should open up the door now for Saul to leave. Matt Ryan has completed his move to Real Sociedad. Leeds have loaned out Kiko Casilla to Elche. Now, that means they're going to have to bring in a goalkeeper, so keep an eye for that. Um, Norwich have completed the signing of, of Pierre-Louis uh, Malou. Uh, Jensen Weir has left Brighton to go to Cambridge on loan. He's a very talented player as part of that really impressive Wigan team that they were developing um, at, at, on, at the youth level and was just one of them that got cherry-picked. Such a shame for Wigan, but he's gone on loan to Cambridge now. Um, Sam McCallum has left Norwich to go to QPR on loan. Talented young left-back. Came from Coventry. Um, I would have thought he would have been kept around this season. Maybe they have. Maybe they've got an excess at the position, but I don't know. We'll, we'll see. Um, again, not a whole lot happening. Does look like Wolves are set to sell Rui Patricio. He has apparently all is agreed now for him to go to Roma for about 10 million. He's agreed personal terms. Wolves replaced for him is Jose Sa, who I'm not a fan of. I I don't know how he did with Olympiacos, but he was dreadful with Porto. Dreadful. Now, Olympiacos have signed Thomas Vaklik, who's the Czech goalkeeper at the Euros. He was one I thought Arsenal should have looked to bring in because um, they need two keepers. But such is the way it is. Jose Sa to Wolves and Rui Patricio to Roma. This is very much... Uh, George Mendes moving his pieces around, nothing more, nothing less. In terms of the gossip, Manchester United are close to agreeing personal terms with Raphael Varane. It's from the Daily Mail. I wouldn't believe it, um, but I do believe United want him. I just don't believe it's anywhere close at this point. Hector Bellerin has told Arsenal he wants to leave. The 26-year-old is the longest-serving member of Mikel Arteta's squad, is hoping to move to Inter Milan. I think Inter Milan would be crazy to sign him when there are better options out there. I mean, Denzel Dumfries would be a much better signing. I think they could get Max Ahrens. They don't have much money. That's why they have to sell Hakimi. But, I mean, Arsenal aren't just going to give away Bellerin. He's going to cost £20 or so. Chelsea are set to make a big offer for Erling Haaland. I think they can offer away. I don't think there's any chance. I really don't think there's any chance they'll sign him. Uh, Antoine Griezmann could be heading back to Atletico Madrid via prospective swap with Saul Niguez. No, he won't. That is nonsense from the Express, regurgitating garbage coming out of bad sources. Bayern Munich are looking to sign a replacement for Robert Lewandowski, who could be keen on a move to Real Madrid next summer. He has a year left on his contract. I think he ends up staying, but I do think Bayern should be looking for someone to be his long-term successor. 
because, you know, he's 32 now. He's not going to go forever. Um, a tweet by Real Madrid midfielder Isco, which he since deleted, hints that the Spain player will be leaving when the last 12 months of his contract are up with interest registered from Arsenal, Tottenham and Napoli. Uh, you'd be mental to sign him as a Premier League team. Mental. He'll get run off the pitch. He doesn't do any work off the ball. He's lazy. He's never come close to maximising his talent. He's incredibly gifted. Don't touch him with a 15-foot pole. Just leave him where he is. Let him go and play for a mid-table Spanish team. Let him go and be the man somewhere. That's what he wants to be. And it's just not going to work if you bring him to the Premier League. It will be worse than the Danny Ceballos nonsense. Manchester City and Wolves are both in the frame for Anthony Robinson. I'd say Wolves are now out of the frame, having just signed uh, Aidan Nuri. City, I mean, they could do with a left-back, but I would have said they'd be more inclined to look for someone who could start for them. I don't think Robinson is quite that level. Um, but he is a good player. If you're, if you're a top club looking for a backup left-back, he'd be a really good option. I think Arsenal would have probably looked at him if they hadn't got Nuno Tavares. I don't think he's a starter for a, a top-level club at this point. I think he can be fine if your team is say, ninth and below. I think he's fine as a starter at that level. But if you're pushing for Europe, I, I just don't think he's there yet. Juventus are targeting Man City's Brazilian striker, Gabi Jesus. Um, this is was, this was the same stuff that we had yesterday. Uh, they have an interest in Moise Keen. Just buy Moise Keen back. If you want a striker, buy him. He'll be cheaper. He's more talented. And he will be better long term. Uh, new Crystal Palace manager, Patrick Vieira is lining up English goalkeeper Remy Matthews, who has just been released by Sunderland. I mean, lining him up for what? He wasn't good enough to play for Sunderland in League One. What would Crystal Palace be lining him up for? That seems like nonsense. Championship side Bournemouth are keen to sign... 22-year-old English midfielder Flynn Downs from Ipswich Town. He's very, very talented. He'd be well worth their while. I think I think he could play in the Premier League, if I'm honest. Um, England on 19 on the 20, international, 21 years, 22 years of age. Very, very neat and tidy type midfielder. Think Harry Winks, Ollie Skip, that type of player. Nothing spectacular. For, for a Burnley he'd be a very good signing. You know, for Dyche, who likes those neat and tidy midfielders who work very hard, clever players who, you know, good positional sense, make the right decisions, he'd be a good signing. Um, he'd be a good, great signing at Championship level. Great signing if Bournemouth can pull that off. Uh, West Brom are trying to sign English midfielder Trevor Chalaba from Chelsea, but face competition from a Premier League club believed to be Brentford and French side Lorient. He's a talented player as well. Now, his brother is obviously Nathaniel Chalaba. Um, he's a big, big unit, plays centre-back or defensive midfield. He's been loaned out a couple of times, Ipswich, Huddersfield, and Lorentz. He's a, a good player. I, I think I think he'd be a great signing for, for West Brom. Um, be a bit of a gamble. For Brentford, given he hasn't played in the Premier League before, but I mean, he's not going to play there until he plays there. So someone has to take the risk. He's only 22, so he's got tons and tons of time ahead of himself. Um, if I'd say if he becomes available, you might see 
you might see Watford get linked just because his brother's there. His brother's obviously a very important part of the Watford team. Um, and still only 26, I think Nathaniel Chalaba's a quality player. And I, I expect to see big things from him. He got, he got an England cap back in 2018. If he comes up and does well this season, he might well get another one. Um, that's it. That is our show for the day. Yeah. That's it. Take care of yourselves. Bye-bye. Podcast Network.